John chapter number 3, John 3 and verse 16. For uh, many weeks now, we have uh, had John 3.16 as our text, and uh, we'll continue there today. And as I've already mentioned this morning, this is, I'm planning on this being the last uh, message in this impromptu series. One afternoon, it's a Saturday afternoon, I was thinking, praying about what the Lord would have me to preach, and he put John 3.16 on my heart. I guess that's a good verse to, uh, to preach from, and this turned into this series. Yeah, but I do want you to uh, pay close attention to me today. There's a lot I want to get to, I need to get to. Uh, we will turn to a couple of different places, and uh, so keep your Bibles open. But we look at John chapter number 3 and verse 16. And once again today, we're going to read this verse of Scripture together. Uh, so John three 16, let's read it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, what a wonderful verse. Uh, it never gets old to read John 3.16. Uh, so much we've looked at in John 3.16, and uh, today I want to uh, conclude this series and preach on this message, the key to John 3.16. The key to John 3.16. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray this morning that you would use the Word of God once again. May the Spirit of God uh, begin to work uh, in our hearts. Uh, Father, I, if there's one here unsaved, uh, I pray that they would be convicted by the Spirit of God today. I pray that they would realize their need of a Savior. I pray they'd realize that because of their sin, uh, they deserve eternal judgment, eternal punishment. Father, I pray they would also realize that Jesus paid that price for them. And in your love and your mercy, you made a way of salvation. And Father, we thank you for that this morning. But may the word of God speak to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look back through the weeks, we have looked at several aspects of John chapter 3, verse 16. Of course, we know that this is probably, without an argument, really the most famous verse in the Bible. I believe there are people who've never held the Bible in their hand, but they're familiar with John 3.16 enough to at least know that it came from the Bible. John 3.16 shows up, the reference at least, in some of the most unusual places. But as we mentioned several weeks ago, we talked about the significance of John 3.16, and the significance is the word love. The fact that the God of the heavens, the creator of all things, loved man. We also spent some time looking at the penalty that's found in John 3.16, the word perish, to be eternally lost. We also saw the life described in John 3.16, which is that everlasting life. Then we spent a week looking at the word whosoever, and the whosoever found in John 3.16. If you were not here, you don't remember, let me just help you with that. That's anybody. Anybody can be saved. We saw just a couple of weeks ago, we spent some time looking at the family in John 3.16. We have the Heavenly Father who sent His only begotten Son, and it's through Him we can be born into the family of God. Last Sunday, we looked at the redemption of John 3.16 and how we are redeemed by the blood of the Son of God. Today, I want to spend our time looking at the key that unlocks John 3.16. 
Because see, one does not receive the everlasting life by simply reading John 3.16. One does not escape the penalty found in John 3.16 by simply holding a sign or wearing a bracelet that has John 3.16 inscribed on it. Those who live in our community or live on the other side of the world are not born into the family of John 3.16 simply because we hashtag it on a social media post. The key that unlocks John 3.16, are you ready for this, is in John 3.16. But let me tell you what the key is not. The key to John 3.16 is not a hashtag movement. The key to John 3.16 is not church membership. The key to John 3.16 is not baptism or good works. The key to unlock John 3.16 is not the riches we have or don't have or how much of our riches we give away. The key is not religion. The key is not the Pope. The key is not Muhammad or any other religious figure. The key today is not a politician or world leader. The key is not even social change or activism. Say, well, Pastor, if all of those things are not the key, what is the key? Well, I think many of us would know the answer, but I want to uh, shed some light on that. We see that in John chapter number 14. In John chapter number 14, Jesus declares that he is leaving his disciples to go to prepare a place. And there are a lot of people in this world who think because they've heard of John 3.16, that gets them, that unlocks the door to that place called heaven. Perhaps some today think that because they've heard it quoted or even heard it preached from or they've read it before, that gets them into that place called heaven. But Jesus declares he's going to prepare a place for them. And after he declares that, we have the disciple Thomas who asked very simply, well, how shall we know the way? And in verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John chapter number 10 and verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Jesus is the door to the Father. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus, as he declared, and we've seen in past weeks, you cannot get to the Father, you cannot get to heaven, you cannot get to forgiveness without Jesus. So if Jesus is the door... What is the key to open the door? He is the door we go through. But it's not just enough this morning for you and I to know that He is the door. Because as you approach the building this morning, you came to a door. There had to, yes, there's a door, there is a way into this building, but the door had to be open so that you could access the building. The same is true with eternal life. The same is true with the forgiveness of our sins. 
The same is true with, with what we spoke of last, last week in being redeemed and, and purchased with the blood of Christ. This world is familiar with the name Jesus. This world is familiar with the text John three sixteen. But lest we cannot forget this week that there is a key to John three sixteen that makes it what it is. That really gives us access to the love of God. We see it in Acts chapter number 16, verses 25 through 31, the story of Paul and Silas imprisoned. They were in prison for preaching the gospel. They were thrown in prison, and at the midnight hour, they were singing. And I believe they were singing probably closer to the old hymns than, than the typical quote-unquote worship songs of the day, but that's a whole other side note. And the power of God came on that prison, and the earthquake came, and the doors were open. The jailer obviously was concerned about the welfare of those that inhabited those cells. Not necessarily were they still healthy, but were they still there because his life depended on it? And he called down into, those, into that prison to inquire of the prisoners, and they called back and said, we're still here. Then in verse number 30, that jailer asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Did the apostle Paul respond with, join the church? No. Was his response, get baptized? No. Was his response, give an offering to our ministry and we'll pray so that you can be saved in that way? No, that was not the response. What was the, their response? You need to go on a two-year mission and, and, and then you can have yourself. No, that was not the response. Was, what, what was his response? Was it, was it put on a, a witness t-shirt? Was it, what was the response? His response is found in verse number 31 of Acts chapter number 16, and it is the key to John 3:16. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If we look at our text again in John chapter number 3, we find that key word in verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is wonderful. We need to know God so loved the world. We need to know that He gave His only begotten Son. We need to know that if there is a penalty for our sin, and that's perishing and being eternally lost, we need to know everlasting life is available, but the key to it all is that word, believeth. The key to it all is that word, believe, even in the prior verse, verse number 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. We see that same word in verse number 16. In verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the, the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. The word believe means to credit upon the authority or testimony of another. 
think about that definition as we continue this morning. To credit upon the authority or testimony of another. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is to credit or have faith in the authority and testimony of the only begotten Son. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, is to credit on His authority. It's to have faith in His ability. It's to give authority in His his, his, his testimony and His power. See, to believe on Him is to put my faith in the authority, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in, in the fact that He was the only begotten Son. My, my belief in my authority is not on another man. My belief, the authority that I'm counting on, is the spotless Lamb who was the sin sacrifice. Uh, my, my belief this morning is in the high priest who shed his own blood, then carried that blood into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. That is where my faith is. See, there are, we have a choice this morning. We can believe what God has said. We can believe as John 3.16 says, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, or we can put our authority on another man. Let me help you, and I'll get ahead of myself this morning. There are some that we have encountered many times, and they say, well, when I was growing up, my grandmother said this. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said. Right, well, when I was growing up, the pastor said this. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said. Well, when I heard that a religious man said this, so I read this book. Well, let me tell you what the Word of God said. And who are you going to put your belief on? Who are you going to put your authority on? This morning as you listen to me and you think back to that time when you were confronted with your own uh, 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 sins and the fact that you couldn't pay for your own sins, I want you to think about something you didn't listen you, you weren't depending on the person that, that spoke to you the words of God. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning you're sitting in the service or you're watching online or however you're listening this morning. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never been confronted with the fact that you need a Savior. I don't want you to take the words of this preacher. I don't want you to believe on me. I want you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and His authority. Let me mention four quick facts that will help us as we consider this key. Number one is believe is the acceptance of a plan. It's not just enough to believe that Jesus existed. He did and He is. He has an eternal existence. He is the Son of God. But See, that word believeth in John 3.16 is more than just believing that God loved the world. We have to believe in a plan that God has instituted. I remind you what John chapter 3 in verse number 14 says. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 
as Jesus is having this conversation with Nicodemus, that Pharisee, that religious man, the man who had been schooled in the law and in in, 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 in that religion, and he was speaking to him and he reminds him in verse number 14, the verse I just read, of a story that is found in Numbers chapter number 21. And God had sent punishment to his people. And Moses goes to God, and, and, and the people have spake against God and against Moses, and wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8 of Numbers 21, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, he shall die. What was that? That was a picture. That was a picture. In John chapter 3, verse 14, we're reminded of a plan that God had Jesus himself said in John chapter 12, verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. See, to believe is the acceptance of a plan. As a child, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What did I believe in? I, I believed in the fact that God had a plan. He had a way of redemption. He had a way of man to get back to him. Can I just say this morning, if... It's good for us to remember this as we deal with other individuals and we, and we are witness, as we, as we focus on missions today and reaching the world with the gospel. It's not just any plan, it's God's plan. There's not just any way, there's God's way. There's not just multiple opinions between a Baptist church and a Catholic church and a Methodist church and whatever label you want to put it in. There's one way to God and there's one way to be reconciled to God and that is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we say you need to believe, as John 3.16 says believe, what we are saying is you've got to believe in the plan or the way that God has provided for an individual to be saved. Let me say to you this morning, God so loved the world. I want to remind you that Jesus died for every man who's ever lived, no matter nationality, no matter race, no matter, no matter what offense. God loved the world. He loved them so much, He sent His only begotten Son because He was the only way. He was the only one who could pay the price for my sin, for your sin. So the key is I believe and accept the plan that God has provided. You say, well, Pastor Neil, it's, I understand you believing in the Baptist way, but I believe in the Catholic way. Or maybe today you say, I believe in the Methodist way. Or whatever label you put on it, I'm here to tell you there isn't a Baptist way. There isn't a Catholic way. There isn't a Methodist way. There's one way. There's God's way. And whosoever believeth on him shall be saved. So if I'm going to believe, or if I have believed, what it's saying is God has provided a plan, and I'm accepting that plan. Number two, the second statement I'll make this morning, believe is an acknowledgement and a request. 
Believe is an acknowledgement and a request. I read from Luke chapter number 23. If you have time to turn there, it's not that far, it's just a few pages prior to our text. In Luke chapter number 23, we find the crucifixion of Christ. We know the story, we should know the story of Christ being falsely accused, him being tried. And the people choosing to release a criminal, and they wanted Christ crucified. They thought, the devil thought, and his crowd thought that they were going to win, but little did they know that this was just according to the plan of God. Jesus goes to the cross of Calvary, and he endures that physical suffering. He endures that torture. He is laid on a literal cross and nailed to that rough piece of wood. As he is erected on that cross, our mind this morning goes back with what we've already read that Christ said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. As he labored on that cross and as he took upon him the sins of all mankind, We find those gracious words of Jesus in verse number 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We go to verse number 39. We're reminded that while Christ was crucified, there was a criminal on his right. There's a criminal on his left. We find in verse number 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanging railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Isn't it tragic that somebody's in their last moments of life? Salvation is right there. No doubt this criminal likely could see the blood that Christ was shedding. He had been witness to that all had taken place, and he's still mocking. How sad to see somebody so blinded that in their final moments they'll reject Christ. One of the malefactors which were hanging railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. This man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Boy, I'm looking forward to getting to heaven. I'm looking forward to seeing loved ones again. I'm looking forward to seeing my Savior. I'm looking forward to seeing the Apostle Paul. I'm looking forward to seeing John the Beloved. But I want to see the thief on the cross as well. The one who he's hanging there, he said, Hey, shut up. I'm interpreting the scripture this morning. You're in this, don't you, you're on the cross, you're fixing to slip into eternity, and you still have no fear of God? We deserve this. 
but not this man. And then he's, I'm done with you, Lord. Would you remember me? And Jesus said unto him, Verily I send to thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. As a side note, uh, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ when he says today. Today, when you take that last breath, you will be with me. You say, well, how did all that work? I don't have to know how it worked because Jesus said that's the way it is. And that very day, he went from the cross to the presence of the Son of God. He's nailed, and he's in the same predicament. He's nailed on that cross, and the Son of God is next to him. And when he, when he closes his eyes in death, he's in the presence of the Son of God. But neither one of them's nailed to a cross anymore. What a powerful thought. But Jesus, this man, he did not have time to get baptized. He did not have time to join a church. He did not have time to do enough good works to balance the scales. No, let me tell you what he did. He first of all acknowledged. He said, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. I deserve to be here. But this man hath done nothing amiss. I'm guilty, but not Christ. He acknowledged his own condition and acknowledged the perfection of the Son of God. See, when I was a child and I believed, I didn't understand all the doctrines of salvation. But can I just say, when somebody stopped at your door and gave you the gospel, you didn't understand it either? When you knelt at an altar, you didn't understand it either. But let me tell you what I do understand, because I remember this even as a child. When I believed, I acknowledged that I was a sinner. I acknowledged that Christ was the perfect Son of God. It was an acknowledgement, but, but remember, it's also a request. Lord, remember me. The, the, the only way, the only hope I have is, Lord, if you'll remember me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I deserve this. I acknowledge that, that you, 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 you don't deserve this. You're, you're the perfect one. You're the holy lamb of God. But would you remember me? You may not have uttered those words. I didn't utter those words as a child. But what was I saying when I bowed my head? And more importantly, I bowed my heart to God. I said, I'm a sinner. I, I deserve that eternal damnation. I know Christ is the perfect one. Christ is the holy lamb of God. And would you remember me? I'm believing, putting my faith and authority on him. Number three this morning, believe is, is also a confession. In Romans chapter number three, if you, I'm sorry, Romans chapter number 10, if you'd like to turn there. Romans chapter number 10. A familiar passage of scripture beginning in verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It is a confession. For with the heart, verse 10, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all the rich, unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon, believe on the Lord shall be saved. We see in verse number 9, it's a confession that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what are you confessing? You're confessing the decision that you've made in your heart. I remember best I can, all those years ago as a child, I remember praying, I remember saying I got saved. The words that came after my mouth were after what had already taken place in my heart. Now I remember sitting just a couple months shy of my fifth birthday, sitting behind a little table, and it happened to be my mother who was teaching the class, and she had that flannel graph, and lo and behold, what was she teaching? John 3, 16, and the crucifixion of Christ. And I remember sitting there and falling under conviction as a child. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I deserved to go, die and go to hell. And as I had just heard, I had heard that Jesus paid my sins for me. The Son of God did that for me. Why would I not want to accept that? And as best I could as a little child, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember getting up out of that seat. I had a habit of getting up without permission back in those days. And, and I went up to my mother and I said, I want to get saved. But can I tell you, and she walked me through that plan of salvation. But can I tell you, when I believe I got saved, I believe I got saved when I pushed that chair back. And I'd already believed in my heart that Jesus had, had, had died for my sins. And I believed that he was the way to heaven. And all I had to do was put my faith and trust in him. What I said after that was just a confession of what had already taken place in my heart. And friend, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't believe you got a problem saying it. You may not know how to say it. You may not know, say it how the preacher says it. You may not know how to say it how the person who led you to Christ says it. But there's something that took place. Believing is a confession. I can't explain it, but I believe. It's a confession that I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, and finally, and we'll be through. Believe is to know. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. We are reminded in the book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 that there's some things written down. Why? So that we may know that we have eternal life. Friend, this morning, God wants you to know that you ha may have eternal life. Amen. It's not the will of God for any man to die and go to hell. Right. He gave His only begotten Son for the world, for all men. And the key is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what the Scripture says, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of, on the name of, the Son of God. So if you believe on the name of the Son of God, you're going to know you have eternal life. Right. 
Let me ask you this morning. Do you know? Well, Pastor, how do I know if I've really believed? Well, do you know that you have eternal life? I know I have eternal life. Well, what evidence do you have? I've believed. Give me some scientific evidence that Jesus really died on that cross and really came forth out of that grave. Well, I've been to an empty tomb. I don't know if it's his, but it's empty. Let me tell you, faith, my faith, I'll give you the evidence. The Bible says it is the evidence of things not seen. So you want the evidence? I give you my faith. Because I have believed, I know. And by the look of how many heads are nodding this morning, you know. How do you know? Because you've believed. I've talked to a lot of people in my life about their salvation, their eternity. As I was thinking about this message this morning, the key, I can think back to a lot of these conversations. And there's something that is always true and the same. When I ask somebody and they I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I hope so. I believe so. You say, well, what are you believing on? Well, I, I've been a church member. Or I'm, and they give some religious affiliation. Or I've been trying to do the best I can, but I'm really not sure. When you talk to somebody and they say, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. They know. They may not be doing everything they're supposed to do, how they do it, but that they know. Because to believe is to know. How does this apply to you and I this morning? First of all, I want us to be reminded of what the key was that unlocked John 3.16 for us. I trust that through these many weeks as we've looked at this verse, we're reminded of the love of, a, of an almighty God. What it means to perish, to be eternally lost. But those that are saved, we look forward to that everlasting life. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know? The devil will do his best put doubt in your life. Let's be honest. I mean, this is a pretty good-looking crowd this morning. I mean, you, you look really, really good. They say that a church takes on the personality and everything of the pastor, so you're the best-looking crowd I've ever seen. Just, it's just, you know. But let's be honest. Every one of us has stumbled and fallen. The devil uses opportunities to say, oh, a Christian wouldn't do that. It's okay to correct him and say, a Christian shouldn't do that. My salvation is not based on whether I stumble or not. My salvation is based on the key in John 3.16. I believe. 
I believe. Religion didn't unlock that door for you. Your good works didn't unlock that door. Your church membership didn't unlock any door. But the word believe. What should we do with John 3.16? We should tell the world that all they have to do is believe. You look at what's taking place in our world and in our own nation today. Pastor, what do, you, what do you believe the answer is? This election is coming up. We need to make sure that the election goes the way we should go. I'm for that. I think you ought to vote. Generations prior to us shed their blood so we could have freedom to vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote, but I'll just say this. One side believes it's okay to murder babies. The other side doesn't. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'll tell you who not to vote for. We need to do that as a nation. And, and make sure you do that. But I could, I could, this preacher, if I could have the audience of our country today Say, what would you say? Would you say, you need to, you need to, you need to go in this direction or, or you, need, you need to vote for, for, for the president or you need to do this? I would just simply say, believe. Amen. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of religious folk who sit on pews. and They put their faith or authority on the testimony of of a religious man. And what have they done? They've put their faith in another sinner instead of the sinless one. This morning, I want us to recall what God has done for us. And I know that I believe, if not everyone, the majority of this crowd has had a time in your life where you've trusted Christ as your Savior. In this familiar passage of John 3.16, let's not lose the reality of what God did for us. Let's be reminded of what Christ did for us. But on this Missions Emphasis Sunday and really every day thereafter, let's be reminded that there's a world that needs to believe. They need to know. And this morning, maybe you're here, perhaps you're here and the Holy Spirit of God has worked in your life and just in this service you've been reminded that you're a sinner as all men are sinners. That because of our sin we, we deserve eternal damnation. That is the, the lake of fire, that eternal place called hell. And any man that dies without Christ, that is where they're going to go. But the Holy Spirit of God perhaps reminded you as well that Jesus died and paid your sin debt and no man has to pay their own sin debt. They just have to believe. I don't know, we're so in church, perhaps it's been said to you, it's been said to me in the past. Well, isn't there more to it than that? No. You just have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father.